So today I sat down with Isaiah Barbara, owner of QA Home Buyers, Maple Birch Properties, and Deal Invest. Deal Invest being a new dispositions company, and it's an affiliate with Maple Birch and QA Home Buyers. If anyone remembers episode 15, I believe it was, I interviewed his business partner, Jake Burhans. Uh, we talked about QA Home Buyers, which is the acquisition side of the transactional companies, and then got into Maple Birch a little bit more. Uh, I thought it'd be cool to have Isaiah on here to sort of talk about that second part of wholesaling, right? Jake and I went over all the acquisitions portion, how they get the leads in the door, what that process looks like, um, and obviously some of Maple Birch, which is their holdings company. Um, but I thought that it'd be awesome to have the disposition side. So once the leads come in and they're put under agreement, who sells these contracts, right? Because it wasn't Jake. He just handles the acquisition side. So Isaiah explains to us how exactly he goes about selling these deals to buyers, building cash buyer lists, and really any buyer list for that matter. He talks about some of his beginnings as well, what his part is in Maple Birch. And one of the coolest things that I didn't even know is that he travels all around the world almost all the time. So he does this completely virtually. He's only 23 years old. Jake is 25. They're two young killers. And I think that everyone should listen to episode 15 before they listen to this one. I think it's got a ton of valuable content. Whether or not you want to be in real estate wholesaling or what have you, it's an awesome load of content and I think everybody will love it. I wanted to start because I never even got to touch on this with Jake. I wanted to start at Maple Birch. So that's yeah. you guys' original company. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, like, I don't know how, I I don't know where kind of Jake started, but basically Maple Birch Properties was like, idea was like the, the holding company. That's basically the whole idea there. Um, and yeah, so the reason why Maple Birch Properties was like the, the name, because I noticed like a lot of um, apartment, I think it's like pine oak. It's, all, it's like a tree and like a leaf. So I was yeah. just like, okay, Maple Birch Properties. That's how I ended up coming with that one. But um, yeah, basically the whole idea there is just uh, to be a, like a, a holding company where we just buy properties and, and hold them and then kind of evolutionize into uh, this whole wholesaling that we're doing right now too. So, um, And then we created basically different structures for that when we started making money, all the tax tax reasons and stuff. We were like, okay, we should probably separate these out to, uh, to a bunch of different companies. Right. So did Maple Birch, so you started that as a holdings company mm-hmm. for your rentals. Yep. Did you ever plan on wholesaling or was that just like you wanted to build a portfolio and kind of fell into it? Honestly, fell into wholesaling. Um, but I was kind of wholesaling before, but I didn't even know it. Where So basically kind of like to start to back up, what I was doing for Axel was, um, so Axel, he's like the big multifamily guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, basically what I was doing for him before was email marketing. That was kind of like the marketing channel. So I was in there. Um, basically just sending emails for him and grabbing all the data from the LLC using uh, Quick Start from New Hampshire, grabbing the, the information and then sending out the emails. And um, basically he would st- start buying some of these properties and then some of the properties he wouldn't actually end up buying himself. And so we're just like, okay, how can we monetize this? And we were kind of, I would kind of do like a, a, I think it's like a bird, bird dog, that's what they call it. So yeah. just before wholesaling, that's what I was doing before. Um, and so then Jake kind of like explained, yo, like we could be wholesaling these, went into whole sub two, Pace Morby, TTP, all that stuff. And then we're just like, okay, we should start, we should start doing this. Like monetize we monetize that. Exactly. Channel. Yeah. Get some cash. So you were bird dog. And so you were essentially just like, you were finding deals for him in, in, in essence. Like you were not, were you actually putting them under agreement? 
No, yes. Yeah, so basically, all I would do is just bring the lead in the door through emails. And I was learning a ton because I would see like how Axel responded in the email. And so I just got like a, I just didn't even know how to talk to sales. This was like when I was like 18. So just like really starting out. Um, and I would just see what was going on there. And he would lock up the, the property. And then I would just kind of see basically the whole process. And then um, started Maple Birch by replicating what I was doing for him uh, for myself. Okay. I th- that's really cool. Because like, you're the second person I know who came from Axel. Who, uh, you, you know, Ivan Rubio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I had him on like a month ago. And he was talking about Axel and like how much he learned there. And I'm like, Axel's, I feel like the local like real estate college. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Everyone who, who goes through him ends up bringing him a bunch of deals and then going off on their own. And then he just supports them. Yeah. Because no, like I, I see, I've seen him post about you guys and stuff and your deals. Yeah. So the two deals, so two of the deals that we've, so um, we've procured a few deals and I just kind of brought him in um, for just like a, a lot of reasons. One was like the credibility or just bringing the money in and obviously I have a good relationship with him. Um, yeah. So brought him in. He kind of showed me the whole structure, just more just like the idea of just like just to learn right. a lot. So um, we have like right now two buildings with him, 11 units and um, yeah, it's awesome. Awesome guy. Help, help yeah. him a lot. And so what, what are you guys sitting on right now for units in Maple Birch? Maple Birch, we have three properties. Yeah. So a five unit, a six unit, and a three unit, all in New Hampshire. Um, did have that mobile home, and that was just myself, and we just I just flipped that one. Yeah. Uh, I presented that at New Hampshire RIA. Um, okay. Yeah. I don't know if you were there for that one. Yeah, I'm not at all of them. Some of them here and there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was pretty sick, though. Uh, so that mobile home, I don't know if you want me to get into that one, but that was pretty cool. Yeah. So basically that one, um, I was just reaching out. I was actually at, at like a, a gathering with my friends and my, my friend was like, hey, like um, my neighbor's looking to sell. I'm like, okay, cool. So I give him a call and he's actually, yeah. So he's looking to sell and basically create a structure where um, he seller financed like majority of it for me, which was like super cool. And it was a mobile home on its own lot in Barrington. New Hampshire so basically paid him it was like three percent interest only which is like super sick um yeah it was like a when did you get this this was 2021 okay all right the three percent makes a little more yeah sense so now. I was paying like 125 a month to him for, for debt and I was renting now at 1500 which is like so insane <laughs> Dude, that's that's crazy obviously there's like taxes insurance all that stuff I wasn't making that uh spread but that was like pretty sick to uh to have that experience and then I had to end up selling it though because the I was trying to refi but think about mobile homes if it's not before 1978 I believe it's a lot harder to refinance uh, mobile homes because there's like they have this whole different requirement kind of thing going on um, basically just made the standard of mobile homes a lot higher okay um, so I couldn't refinance out and I was like dang what do I do this the balloon for this guy was like in five years and the septic blew I was paying two hundred fifty dollars every month uh, to pump the septic, so it was just like killing my kill my cash flow, and I had to redo with the leach field and septic field, so I ended up uh, selling it. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that was like my first experience of like I probably held it for a year, got the whole tenant, you know, right uh, experience, and then I'm selling it. That's not a bad way to start. That's like low risk because it's a mobile home. Yep. You owner financed it, so in all reality, there's not going to ever be a foreclosure. If anything bad happened, they're just, they're just going to happily take it back with the money you have already paid them. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, I feel like it's easy. So you, you own the lot, I assume. 
Yeah, well. so it was on the water in Barrington. It was pretty sick. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, on the yeah on the lot, the HOA. It still was an HOA because yeah. like they did the road in that area. Um, but yeah, on, on the lot there. Okay. That's interesting. Mobile home. So, but it wasn't in a park, so you're not paying like 800 bucks a month. No, I think the, it was $500 for the year for the HOA. And so that thing was a cash cow for what it was. It was awesome if the septic didn't. Yeah, fall. right. Well, and, and yeah, yeah, anything, if you know anything about septics, it's like at that point, you just, even if you, you what, you'd have to dump probably 20 grand into Yeah, it, it was like 25K. Redo yeah. the leach field and put a new pump in. It was the one thing that uh, I didn't inspect. Yeah. The one thing I didn't inspect, I expected the whole house and stuff, and then just... Do you know when it was replaced? Like, was it an original septic? Yeah, it was like 1960. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say, because I didn't get mine inspected, but it was replaced in 02, so I think... You should be good, yeah. Okay. No, yeah, mine was like due. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you really kicked the shit out of yours for whatever, 45, no, 60 years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. It owed you one. Um. All right, so... That's cool. So Maple Birch, and you guys are still buying actively. Yeah, or, we're still, or you're still looking to buy actively. Yeah, we are still buying definitely in New Hampshire and like partnering up with people to buy. And yeah. I think the main reasons because of the tax benefits. I think it's a big thing for us right. um, just to have property and like the depreciation, all the stuff that comes with that. Uh, because the wholesaling side, we're like our main focus. That's like been our goal is kind of to create like a machine. I don't know if Jake's kind of mentioned this already, but um, our goal is to create a machine where we're just making money every month and we're create a business where we're out of it. That's what we really like about right. wholesaling where you can really take yourself out of the business by, um, yeah, but basically it's putting people in place for those certain roles and get that basically a little printy press, we hope every month and then use that money to, to buy properties and you could pick and choose the properties that we want to buy. Right. Um, so I like the overlap because you could like start any business, uh, but I thought I just really like the overlap uh, for both. Well, I think I gave Jake this analogy too. Like I think similar in, in that like, I've always wondered, for instance, Tesla. I'm like, they're such a huge company. Mm. Why don't they? Why don't they make their own lithium-ion mining company? Then they get their lithium at wholesale value, and any extra they create a business out of, and they sell it. It's the same idea. It's like, mm. it's like, all right, well, I need leads. I want to buy property. So why don't I wholesale off the leads I don't want, and like make a twofer? True. Yeah. And so that's that's also the kind of the route I took. I'm like, I need leads for my flipping business. But I don't want to turn down ninety percent of the leads. I might as well find somebody who could use them. Um, so, how's that been? You guys have been at this because I remember Jake telling me he was he started cold calling his senior year, right? At UNH. Yeah. So it's pretty funny how me and Jake met. Was I? So I was doing all this stuff with Axel initially, and then I had and then I met Shane. So Shane, he was a mentor of mine, um, basically from like fresh. Uh, I don't know, from sophomore to senior year. Um, he was, I met him at a, a meetup in, in Raymond, New Hampshire, and he was buying these massive multifamily, multifamily properties across the nation. So I was kind of doing the same prospecting, but more of calling for him and a lot of underwriting. So it was really cool to see how those, those deals, like it was crazy. Like it was a 552 unit. I ended up helping him close on in Houston, Texas. Wait a second. He, he spoke at one of the reads I was at. Yeah, yeah Shane uh, Carter. Yeah, what's the, what's the name of his company? Uh, I think Hampshire Capital now. Okay. Yeah. You worked for him too? Yeah, I worked for him for like two, three years. Dude, yeah. holy shit. Dude, yeah, he was, yeah. You had the lineup of mentors. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, it was like Axel and then Shane. And it was cool because I connected them too. And then they're on the, and they're on like 
I think Axel's Dude, like, you should be getting dividends from that <laughs> connection. <laughs> no, yeah, that's pretty great. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, with him, I just learned a ton about underwriting. Like, so I was like really confident in underwriting multifamily properties. And then that 552 unit, seeing that kind of go through and like seeing the, I don't know, the asset management, all that stuff. Cause it kind of just let me see what was going on. It was like, uh, pretty awesome. So basically had that. And then, um, really wanted to start Mabel Birch up. I was telling Jake about it cause he's a good friend of mine at UNH. He was like, uh, like, I don't know, do we like a little investing club? Um, ends up, he wants to do this real estate. I'm like, yo, uh, let's, let's do it. So I basically just teach him like everything I know, probably for the first like year. And he was just calling super hard, like all the leads that I didn't really want to call. I just kind of give to him. Yeah. And then he ended up like doing like super well. And we just like created a structure where like, yo, we should just do this 50-50, like one plus one equals three kind of idea. Like, right. Idea. And, um, and yeah, that's kind of how, uh, yeah, Jake and I met. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I know you guys were like across the hall from each other, right? Is that how yeah, you? Yeah. UNH. Yeah. So did you guys know each other before? UNH? No. He no. literally just met him, yeah, because he's across the hall. And I didn't think he was going to, yeah, do all this, like, the the whole real estate game. Yeah, right. Well, because he was kind of saying the same thing. He's like, I didn't think that this, this was going to be my route. Because yeah. I think he said both his parents are teachers, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so some, yeah. He's, he's like, yeah, this is just never, like, around me. That's cool. Dude, I can't I can't believe you work, <laughs> you work for both of those guys. How? So how'd you, how'd you get in with Axel? Was it just through the college? So, um, I was a part of the entrepreneurship club at UNH and then I was like, Hey, this is what I want to do. I want to buy a property, rent it out. Like basically the whole burr idea. Um, and, uh, one of the guys, the, the head guys there, he was just like, Hey, this guy's like six, seven years ahead of you did the exact same thing. And he's like, he's like killing it. You should reach out to him. So we reached out to Axel on LinkedIn and, uh, and then he was like, yeah. And then I met, met up with him and he was like, Hey, you want to, do this kind of thing like you want, you want me to teach you all the stuff and kind of work for me and i was like yeah for sure and then kind of history from there and so then shane same idea shane yeah same idea just met at the meetup yeah kind of the exact same idea yeah went out to uh, to lunch with him and then he just like offered me an opportunity and i was like why not kind of thing yeah right. yeah it was yeah learned a ton with him so it was, it was super great i think that's important like for everyone who listens to hear that too because like like there's so many different routes you can take. Like you can try and do it all on your own, mm-hmm. which in theory, I'm kind of a player in that game, like for the most part. So, um, but, but there's, I think the more strategic route, which is yours, like, okay, I don't know anything who knows everything. Let me go find them yeah, and then let, let them teach me half of what they know. And then I'll learn the rest. And like, that's the probably most strategic way to go about it. And, Hey, I think the proof's in the pudding for this one. So you guys have done, last I heard, what, 20-something wholesale deals so far? Yeah, we're like averaging like two to three a month right now. Okay. So you've picked that up, right? Because you've been, so that's obviously been. Yeah, so so basically like the the timeline was Axel Shane worked for them, tried still was trying to buy my own property kind of thing, ended up buying that mobile home, um, which was awesome. And then after the mobile home, um, trying to think after the mobile home what happened after the mobile home um yeah basically yeah created maple birch and then just had the whole the whole buy and hold um situation with jake and then yeah just started wholesaling just a a bunch of deals yeah that's kind of like the i guess the timeline from from a to z 
So at what point did you guys start doing consistent deals in that company? So when we started hiring, I would say. So we, I would say beginning of this year, we, um, yeah, beginning of this year that we hired our first cold caller. And so cold caller from the Philippines, really good English. And um, yeah, basically hired, hired her. And then now we have like five employees. So that's what it kind of looks like today. Um, three cold callers, one texter, and then one lead follow-up manager. Okay. And so it's like a lead manager, follow-up specialist kind of mix? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so you guys have a team that you're you're really putting together. So now it's time for you to put your side of the team together. I know, the whole dispo side. Right? Yeah. So, so now you got Deal Invest, though. Yep. So I know we were talking before this. It's, it's like a dispositions company. Mm-hmm. And so it's... Are you guys like 50-50 on that and QA? Or is like QA, Jake's, and Deal Invest is yours? Yes, we use prime corporate structures to kind of get all this uh, together. And the idea is we have the transactional companies, which is Deal Invest. Um, and what Deal Invest is, is where, say, uh, people are just looking to sell their deals. And they help selling their deals, uh, new wholesalers. They can come to me. I can help partner with them and we can sell the deal. And also, I sell my, my own deals um, that... The acquisition side, QA Home Buyers brings in. So, QA Home Buyers is the transactional company on the acquisition side, and then um, Deal Invest is the transactional company on the dispo side. Okay. And yes, yeah, so basically that's what's going on there. And then we use that just transaction money to to feed into Maple Birch. So that's kind of like the okay, the overarching gotcha. Yeah. Idea. Okay. It's, so it's the flow of it. So like so yeah. So QA is pretty much like the the spending company, if you will, and yeah. And deal invest is the income side of it. And we're 50-50 on all of them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Uh, that's good to know, too. I was going to ask you if it's like a JV setup as well. Um, so basically what we did, this is like all kind of new to us, but we have LLCs out of Wyoming. So Prime Corporate, yeah. they the corporate services, they uh, do all this for us. Um, but yeah, Gracie created the LLC out of Wyoming. And uh, me and Jake are have an operating agreement. Um, they create the operating agreement and just says we're 50-50. Uh, for each LLC that we have. Yeah. Okay. And, and the reason why Wyoming is like one, it's just like reduces liability and exposure. Um, I, yeah, just basically a lot of benefits to that. And it's like the lowest tax. Uh, t- yeah, basically self-employed tax through Wyoming, I guess. So oh, that's good to know. Yeah, kind of like, why Hampshire not? LLC, so shit. Well, I was in New Hampshire for the past three years. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, I get hit with the, that awful short-term capital gains. So hmm. that's... Uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. Well, same for us for every wholesale deal that we got going. Yeah, so is, is so it's considered a capital gain. Yeah, it's like a flip, but it's like the flip is like a month or two weeks once we find a end buyer. Okay, like once we close. I because I never knew that. I never knew how the IRS looked at that. If it was like a capital gain or if it's considered income because it's you're like almost in in theory like the middleman. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I think that's, no, that's a good, I, th- I think because you're still making money. It's like a business in the sense you have money coming in. Yeah. They just say like, hey, like you're, I don't know. you're making money I, on I call this. up the IRS and be like, you're not hitting me for capital gains. This is not a capital gain. Do not do that to me. <laughs> it's like 25%. Yeah, no, it's insane. It's yeah. ridiculous. So that's why we're trying to like buy property. Uh, yeah, too, okay. So I see I it. see how the whole thing goes. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want Uncle Sam hitting you for any more. Um, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, and so for the whole deal invest side um yeah so basically we've uh our roles because i was doing acquisition side for the multifamily um for basically that was kind of like the separate roles jake's doing 
acquisition side for single family. I'm doing it for multi. And then I was also dispoing the deals. And now we're slowly transitioning where Jake's just doing all the acquisition side and I just sell the deals. Um, so that's kind of the, the big uh, shift that we got going. Um, Cause like I realized you need to really just focus on like one thing to be really effective. Cause I feel like I was spread out too thin. Right. Um, so we're still marketing for like the multifamily side. Um, still bringing it in. I'm still talking to, to, uh, to sellers. Uh, but now I'm just really focusing on that whole dispo side. And it's insane. That whole, the whole side is sell a deal. It's like all marketing, the sales, talking to buyers. It's like a whole different game. I didn't even like realize. Oh, from talking. Yeah. From talking to sellers to buyers. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was talking to sellers all day today and it's a, a thankless job is, is like, <laughs> like the nicest way to put it. Yeah. So like, I, that's why like I've even not, not necessarily thought about whole hiring a cold caller just because I, I don't want to hear people bitch and moan at me, but like more, just more for the timing of it. But mm. yeah, it'd be nice not to like be cussed out for trying to offer someone money. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, hundred percent. Dude, that's why we basically have our, our cold callers. They, I don't know if Jake kind of explained the structure, but, um, the cold callers, they, uh, anyone that's looking to sell the raises their hand, they just push them in. And then we have our lead follow manager. See, are they actually like, were they serious with the cold caller? Like basically nurture the lead if they are serious. A lot of them are like six months out um, and then, and then Jake closes it. So that's kind of, yeah. So that's why like, cause I was sitting here today and I was looking at my, my own metrics cause I'm fairly new at it. So I'm trying to get, get a, a hold on hmm. how to actually analyze KPIs the correct way and make decisions based on it. And I was looking and I'm like, why is my talk time versus dials nowhere near? And then I remembered, I'm like, he's getting so many like warm leads they're at the point where they're they've been nurtured and they've been spoken to multiple times before they get to him. Yep. So it's like every dial's almost a conversation, which is completely different from mm. a four line dialer, and every ten is a conversation. Yeah. And, and and every seven of those ten is a ghost screw. Are you using a a dialer like a? Yeah, I'm using. It's called smartphone, so it's a four line instead of so batch is a, a three line dialer. Okay. I think. Yeah. And so I use a four. Okay, nice. So how long are the wait times just out of curiosity? What does that look like? Uh, like wait time in between you're talking to somebody is like having four people. Is it like you're waiting a, like a minute or something to talk to somebody else? I know it's dependent on the data, but I was just curious. Oh, of, oh in between like, yeah, like in between on calls. average. Yeah. Honestly, I haven't gotten enough data to tell. I would say I'd say I'm ta- like talking to someone, not like somebody's answering and at least speaking to me every two minutes three minutes okay it's actually so far it's it's been like um i want to say so i get about 60 what is it i I forget what the numbers looked like but it was it essentially like 13 people who who say they're somewhat interested Mm mm-hmm or not even somewhat interested, but they just, they, they somehow tell me like, yeah, maybe in a year, maybe in six months, I'll, for now, I'm going to even put them in for, for myself. And I'll just put them on a follow up for long ways out. Um, but about, I think it was like 13 for every like a hundred and something calls. Okay. Yeah. Calls. Um, nice. but yeah, so it's like I said, I don't really know what exactly I'm supposed to be looking for. 
And I realized too, there was, there's different uh, KPIs and metrics kind of depending on the avatar, um, which we took us so long to realize because Jake was doing single family and I'm doing multifamily. It's pretty hard to like have like somebody from the Philippines talk to it, a sophisticated investor, a multifamily. Right. So like some of those, I, I, I'm calling those types of people. Um, so this is, just, this is a huge thing to know that like it's really dependent on the, the, the people that you're targeting as well. Right. And I think that, I, I think that, you know, that's, that's been sort of my worries. Like, you know, the, the language or accent barrier for a lot of these people, like you get on the phone with some people and you're like, if someone from the Philippines called this guy, it's not going down well. Yeah. Exactly. Like I yeah. know this guy is not, not going to treat this person well at all. So it's like, yeah, I mean, there's certain people. So right now I'm calling like a heavily distressed list. Okay. So yeah. I'm not calling, like, I know you guys do a lot of absentee. Yes. Um, we're doing like the quantity approach right now. Yes. And we're slowly going to put in the quality, but right now, like our current structures throw like a huge, like blanket, basically a huge fish net. And which is not, if you got the cold callers to do it all day long, yep. you might as well. Um, and, and honestly, that's ideally similar to what I'd be doing is, mm. is I would be doing the quantity. Um, the, yeah. The quantity lists and maybe paying a little bit more for a more sophisticated cold caller to call the distressed. Okay. That's probably how I would set it up. Um, and I heard the sophisticated, uh, I heard this, I think on, on Axel's podcast, really good English speakers um, is uh, from Belize. I heard Belize is like a, that's their first language. And I heard that's like a, we have, so we have one Belize person who kind of tried it out and it's been pretty awesome. And still like uh, the, the amount that we pay them is still like very good for them. Um, they're like the breadwinner of the family kind of thing, which is like super awesome too. Yeah, that stuff's that. cool. That like like even when I do stuff on Fiverr, like I remember I had a guy make me logos, and mm-hmm. like he made that logo for me. Oh yeah, nice. I got uh, deals invest was Fiverr too. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, nice. five bucks. Yeah, that's... five bucks unlimited revisions. I'm like, I gave the guy a twenty dollar tip. I'm like, I I, that's I, awesome. I can't yeah. like logic. I can't <laughs> with any good faith do this for five bucks. This is great. Yeah, that's awesome. So. Yeah, no, that must be cool too. Cause like, yeah, yeah, at the end of the day, like what's pennies to you is putting food on the table for like five people. Yeah, no, I think it's just a huge win-win all around. Which yeah. It's like awesome. And just like the leverage that they provide is like just insane. Yeah. And it's interesting too, trying to, like, cause you mentioned the avatar and like, I, I have, tr- I've been working on trying to get like quick on my toes. Like the second I hear somebody's tone when they answer the phone, how am I going to approach them immediately? Mm. Like it, like the, the old, the older lady, I got the high pitch voice, like very slow, very, yeah. and, and then the, um, the like low, low pitched dude. Who's like clearly at, on a job site. I'm like, Hey, yeah, this property, that's what I'm calling. Them. And, and you have to match it. Yeah. You have 100%. to match it, like completely match it. Yeah. And they'll still tell you to screw, but less, I think. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I've noticed as well, like when I was cold calling before, like to get past people's barriers is to literally just like match, match them. Jake has like a whole personality thing that he does. It's like, a, I don't even, I haven't like looked way too into it, but it's yeah. like if they're a dominant kind of thing, then you kind of go back at them. Um, it's just like a whole thing in itself, but it's so interesting though. It really works. Like, yeah, them. well, I, I've done that before too. I know what he's talking about. It's like the, the, their patented line is always, are you going to offer me a million bucks? Like, yeah, uh, yeah. For your two bedroom condo and dairy, probably not, sir. No, I, yeah. I didn't plan on doing that. It's like, well, don't call me. I'm like, you sure you're not interested? I'm like, I can't give you a million, but I can get close. He's like, well, close. And, you know, you got to play with them versus like the older lady. But what people like don't understand, and I get it. A lot of people get scam calls, but like 
dude, I am so all right with hearing no. I mm. want you to tell me no. I, I like, I'd rather you not, like, like tell me no straight up. No, I'm not selling. Okay, great. Like, that's yeah, all. no, yeah, that much closer to uh, yes. You can't get the the maybe. That's the worst thing because then you're just wasting your time. You don't know if they're right. They're indecisive. It's either yes or no, and then move on. That's what. So like, for texting, I don't know if you've done the texting channel. Have you done the texting? I'm channel? I'm still setting up the compliance, but now there's so much compliance bullshit coming out right Dude, now. So it's so I don't know. Our, we had it so good, and they got des- yeah, destroyed. Yeah, with the launch control. Launch right? control. We're doing so well. So. Um, on YouTube, influencer Chandler Sane, I think his name is, um, absolutely killing it. I think doing like 100K a month just off launch control, like doing super well. Um, but yeah, launch, basically their process is it's either yes or no. Um, there's basically really just, uh, I guess, direct the conversation through text to make it, hey, is it a yes or a no? And then they just put them on a drip if it's a no. If it's a yes, they push a lead and then they have their whole cadence but it's pretty interesting though like i never really had that mindset going in for for texting i think well i think it's great it's tougher on the phone because like they can just hang up you like like they can hang up so quick like mm-hmm. i'll be halfway through like and i keep cha- trying to change up like you know hey it's tyler hey this is tyler hey i'm t-, but you don't want to really say any of those but then they get pissed when you don't say your name so like you, you got to get through that half of it but mm-hmm. if you can't get your whole pitch out then it's like that was a waste of time. So at least if you can text it, it's in front of them. They can't do anything about it. True. Yeah. And sometimes if they like hang up on me, I just shoot them a text right after. Kind yeah. Of thing. I, um, I did that to an agent today too. She was like, no, 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 not selling. I was like, okay, no problem. And then I, I had texted her and I was like, Hey, I'm actually an agent as well. I'm like, I'd love to connect with you, do a deal. Mm. I'm just know I'm a buyer crickets. I'm like, I'm telling you I'm a buyer. Yeah, and another way, like those types of people, what we've been doing is side swiping them. That's what I kind of like to call it. Is where like, hey, I know you're not looking to sell, um, or it seems like you may not looking to sell, but do you know anyone else? So I would just like don't ask them directly. I just ask uh, on the side, and that's been like super. I think they have a whole side swipe texting campaign. It's like, hey, like, do you know anyone else looking to sell? I, I guess don't directly like reach out to them. Um, but that's been yeah. interesting. There's just so many different tactics. Yeah, right, right, because that. You know, I, I've gotten the same thing. It's like, no, I know my son's selling though, or I know my uh, my daughter-in-law's nephew is selling, or so, like, and I'm like, okay, well, we're you know, I somehow need to get their number and yeah, their, and their yeah. name or what something. Um, but no, it's 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 been interesting. It's it's cool because I know what you mean, like having that structure where you're dispo and he's acquisitions. I can see how valuable that is yeah because because yeah, yeah. Cause all, well not to interrupt but like the biggest thing too is i guess it's a, there's not a situation where it's like i did more you did more it's like no this is like the role kind of thing yeah so that was like big we don't want it to like step on each other's toes on that front too well that's huge and you guys and i think i told jake this too like you guys do an awesome job having those distinct roles and that's actually my my dad and i are business partners because he's gc um and mm. i'm like sales and acquisitions essentially and we're very clear on that too like listen you you do what you want to do you you know your side of the business even though i don't see you necessarily every single day doing what you're you know what what like whatever it is that you know your job title really is yeah the reality is you're putting in just as much work as me it's just in a different fashion i can't see it and vice versa yeah no that's a great setup that, yeah yeah, yeah for that. and so same with you guys and so would, do you guys do flips at all? 
No, not really, because um, we could have a lot of, had a lot of opportunity to do it, but our really just focuses are like our one our one thing. Right. Uh, there's so many shiny objects in the real estate space. It's insane. Yeah. Um, so we're just like right now really focusing on just wholesaling, building that up. Um, and I think when we do do flips uh, is to – we've met a lot of people where they would literally – we just provide the opportunity and they would do the whole flip for us. And then we'll split 50, 50 on the back end, which is like pretty insane. So they'll do all the work and um, they would buy the property. So they buy the property, do all the work and, and then we'll split it 50, 50. So um, I guess we're really trying to be aware of those types of opportunities. Like what's the highest and best use of this when it comes in, should we wholesale it or should we go that route? Um, but actually doing a flip though, it's a whole, you have to get the crew. It's a whole thing in itself. So, Oh yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's the third branch of the business. It's like wholesaler flipper is very different from wholesaler or flipper. Yeah. Very different. And so like merging the two and I'm actually going out to Ohio middle of the month. Hmm. Um, it's an event, it, it's an event, but it's also with some people I kind of, I, I did like a mentorship sort of course with and, nice. um, they're wholesalers and flippers. I mean, they're, they're, I don't know if you know, Tiffany and Josh high, uh, I don't believe so. Um, but they do, Three three fifty to four hundred wholesale deals. A year. Oh wow! Yeah, they're big dogs. Or three hundred fifty to four hundred transactions. At any point in time, they have like forty something flips going on. That's awesome. Good so like that. they're big dogs. You know yeah. what I mean? They're they're big. But the I'm listening to them. They go, yeah, we have forty two flips going on as we speak. Like, yeah, I didn't know how you manage that. Forty yeah, that is... one GC. Wow. One GC. Dude, that's incredible. And I'm like that's incredible. Dude, I, I getting one through to the table is like a lot. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I can't imagine doing forty two at a time. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah, the the guy that I'm learning the whole dispo side from, um, it's like Eric Klein and Tony Tony Mont. Uh, they're doing like sixty uh, wholesales a month, so it's like just crazy that whole yeah structure. So yeah, so they're doing seven hundred and fifty wholesales a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're doing like a million a month. That's of, insane. Yeah, it's yeah. nuts. Yeah, that's crazy. But you boys are well on your way to that one. We hope. We're trying. Yeah, yeah the goal is to try. Yeah, so. so are you expanding? So you guys, I mean, I know you've done like one at Vegas. You've done um, you've done them all over. Yeah, did Vegas. We've done Vegas. We have one in Pennsylvania right now. Um, did one in Vermont. Um, I'm trying to just think of like the other states that we're not, not in. We're going to do one in Florida, like close like in nine days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of those were from just other wholesalers which is pretty cool. So like we weren't actually marketing there or it was a buyer or a, rather a seller that was like, no, I'm not looking to sell my property in New Hampshire, but I have a property in Connecticut or, or wherever. And that's, that's why I made the deal. Other wholesalers. How, so how do you make that work? Yeah. So, so they're wholesaling it. So the JV, JV agreement. Oh, okay. Sorry. All right. I'm thinking what you're saying is that you're, they're wholesaling it. And you're putting it under agreement and like uh, double wholesaling so it. People do do that. It's called daisy chain. I don't know if you heard yeah. of that. Yeah, people daisy I've chain. I've never heard the, the term, but. Okay. Yeah, it's like called daisy chain. Uh, you don't want to be a daisy chainer. Um, well, I was going to say. I see people trying to do it to, to some of my deals. I just, really? Yeah, because I, I, you really have to vet the buyer like at the end because um, when you wholesale, like we're, we're buying the property, but. Uh, and we're kind of the face to the seller. Um, but if we have a buyer that's just going to daisy chain and we don't even know the end buyer then we get right we get we get kind of like screwed so um we really have to like vet the buyer yeah on that that makes sense because i that's just such a shitty thing to do 
It's like you might <laughs> you, like you're better off bringing like a legitimate buyer of your own and then seeing if you can find your way into a deal mm. and instead of instead of like trying to double wholesale because the reality is you guys are going to try and maximize your profit to the buyer I mean, that's just exactly. the reality of it so why do they think that there's any more to be made yeah because maybe they we just have a too low of a price maybe maybe yeah. or maybe you know because there's there's also something to be said for like how different buyers buy true very true and that's that's like the hardest thing with dispo is marketing the property in a way where you get like the highest and best use to that to that end buyer. Right. Because like some buyers, they just care about the tax benefits of the property. Mm-hmm. Um, like right now we're doing this one in Florida. Or actually, no, the one in Maine. This one in Maine. Um, it's a creative deal. And I was marketing it as a, an investment property. But it didn't really cash flow. Um, but I did see a lot of potential there. Um, and yeah, overall, like that one would have been best for a, uh, a homeowner because um, they can buy this property for no income, no credit kind of thing. So it was very interesting though, like, when you market uh, these properties, trying to figure out what's the best uh, way to really maximize your return and also the best thing for the buyer as well on the back end. Yeah. So what do you do when, when you get something that's best suited on market because you're licensed? Yeah. Wait, what do you mean by that? Best so, suited? Yeah. Best suited for like a homeowner. So, I mean, you obviously, do you have a yeah, so, cash buyer list? Um, yeah. Yeah. We have, we, got, we could reach out to realtors. You could reach out yeah. to lenders. It was like, that's another way and we could just give a fee to the realtor or give a fee to the lender. Uh, but another thing we've been doing is wholesaling properties on the MLS, which has been pretty cool. Um, so we use Brokerless. That's mm-hmm. one of the, so Brokerless is basically a platform where you can uh, basically put any property up on the, the MLS and you work with an agent. So I could do, I could put a property up on the MLS in like Texas, for example, and you work with the agent. Oh. It's like 150 bucks. Um, pretty sick. So I did, we just did our first one in Florida, uh, with that structure. And it's really cool too. um, kind of following the, the dispo disposition course that I've been looking into. It's, it's, yeah, it's basically super beneficial for properties that are rural, like in rural areas where it's like really hard to find buyers or markets that you're trying to get into like initially. Well, that makes sense. Cause it's like starting out, you don't have a cash buyer list. And that's why I was asking you like, where, how far are you expanding? Because it's like, you can only have so many you can only know so many people in that area until you get into a new market. Yep. It's like acquisitions can go and go and go, but mm. it's like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but buying the, building the buyer's list sometimes, especially a, a legitimate buyer's list, the difficult part. It hundred percent is. Yeah. And so there's a lot of ways to go about it. I kind of like dive into like the nitty gritty of what that consists Dude, of. Yeah. But, uh, basically Facebook groups have been great and it was a lot easier to, to get buyers in the past. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, so much easier to get buyers in the past, like past two years. Cause not necessarily buyers, but a lot easier to sell your deals. It was like, I guess a lot easier to sell your deals because there's so much money in the market. You just post something, a buyer would snatch it up because there's such high demand. Uh, but basically what we've been doing to build our buyers list is one, we have our, we have a virtual assistant kind of going through, um, Facebook, uh, you just look up, I don't know, contractors in if using the state of Maine, for example, um, contractors, Maine. Uh, flippers in Maine, uh, Maine for sale by owners, all this stuff. And you could literally just grab all the emails. And so we grab all the emails and then we send them um, an email when we have a deal. So that's one way. And we also use, uh, I think it's, oh, PropStream. So PropStream, you could, you could grab all, you could figure out all the buyers in that, cash buyers in that area um, that are doing flips, 
pull that data and you could skip trace it with using like um, skip genie or like skip matrix or all these other mm. different sites um and then you could just text them all the people that text back and then um, kind of like bet them yeah yeah right so it's like a whole process there's a lot of ways to kind of go about it but that's one way and then you also could do the whole networking you know go to meetups right ar- around the area i think those are going to be like it's like the, the more, I mean, it goes with everything else. The more expensive, the more time consuming, whatever it is, the more work you put in, the better quality it's going to be. So if like you go mm-hmm. to a networking event, you're going to probably get a couple of good buyers because you're face to face with them. You set expectations up front. They know you, they, they like, you know, you, you've yeah. shaken hands, you've had a conversation. So there's some rapport already built there. You need to build a rapport. It's like a whole thing in itself. Right. To do that as well. Right. And so how do you go about. Well, number one, do you comp the properties or does Jake? We both. You both do. We both do because we want to make sure like we're 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 on the right spot for like okay. the ARV. That's yeah, that's a good thought. Yeah. So basically, the structure is deal comes in. Um, Jake vets it. Says Jake's uh, basically going to close the deal. He when he's closing it, he's running the comps and then he lets me know, hey, this is my ARV. Look at the comps here. I. Don't look at his comps. I do my own thing because um, it might be he might influence me. I guess on my comps. Um, so then I run my own comps. Have kind of have my whole process. Get my ARV. I'm like, yo, I'm at this. He's at this. And we come together, have a conversation. About okay, it. that makes sense. And that's probably the best way to do it. It's like checks and balances. Yep. Make sure that like you're not fluffing them. Is that, so, I mean, I I comp things pretty. Um, like man, manually, like I don't do like a Zestimate and all that BS, but have you noticed? Cause I, I just realized the other day, I didn't know PropStream had its own comp analysis tool. Yeah. Is that at all legitimate? Like, is that, is that thing? Honestly, accurate? I haven't explored it. Okay. So I wish I could Cause talk to I, it. What I comped the one I just got today, uh, I forget the exact number, but I know PropStream was like five grand above what I comped, but it was right in the neighborhood of it. Hmm. I'm like, okay, that's actually a realistic ARV, like very realistic. Yeah, and there's like some strategies where you can you grab the Zestimate, you grab the Redfin. It's mainly for singles, but you Zestimate, the Redfin um, estimate. Um, we use C- our CRM, we simply, they have a little estimate. Um, and you just grab all these basically estimates, do an average of it. And sometimes it's very close to the actual ARV of the property. Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty easy. I hate the price per square foot method. Yeah, the, uh, you just have to take it into account, but you cannot, it's not like absolutes. So Well, so that's the thing. It's like, it's like the problem with the price per square foot is you'll get, like if you have a, a property, like 2,000 square feet, mm-hmm. well, and it's like 250 bucks a foot. And then if you so, so much as jump up to 260 bucks a foot, your ARV is like, literally losing money or making money it's the yep. difference of, of like losing a shitload of money or a hell of a profit and so it's like that method to me you're right it's 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 better to kind of just gauge like okay where in the neighborhood could we get but there have been there's a, some price per square foot in dairy that essentially put my arv at like 790 and i'm like that's not right that's not wow, even yeah close. so that's why i don't even use that mm. and and we realized too that comping it's so different depending on the market because we're doing deals in florida and like price per square foot does go like a long way there it's like a whole different way of comp i like learned like through youtube videos of how to comp deals in florida like 
wood or block home, huge difference, huge swing. Oh, really? I had no idea in Florida that a wood or block home would make a, a difference in ARV. Like block is a lot more um, higher end. Um, but yeah, I think here in New Hampshire, from my experience, if we're just talking about single families, just straight up, yeah, not really using the price per square foot. Take into account, but um, yeah, not using it as like an absolute yeah. kind of thing. And it, so it definitely makes a difference having real estate experience in that because I think that's where most people screw themselves. It's like if you're wrong, especially on most wholesale deals, I feel like if you're wrong, even 10 grand, like that's the difference of your profit. 100%. Yeah. And if you're like starting out, what I would recommend is doing like pre-dispo where you just basically bird dock and you're just being straight up with the, the seller. Like, hey, um, I'm going to talk to a few people, like kind of get back, get back to you. And then you just talk to a lot of investors that you, they know the numbers and be like, yeah, where would you be at at this after you get all the information and present it to them? Um, and you maybe have a contract with that seller for like an option agreement. That's what you could do from like, I don't know, seven days to like two weeks or something like that. And basically just say, hey, um, give me an opportunity. I could find you a buyer kind of thing. So that's another way if you're starting out just to, yeah. to get comfortable. Yeah, I've teetered on that. I'm like, do I want to do I want to go full into the wholesale side? Because the way I approach it is like, listen, I'm I have some funds that freed up and I'm looking to allocate them in the next few months, which is true because in the next few months I'm going to be looking to purchase my next property. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm like half and half cuz that's probably like I like the transparency. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want the transparency, but at the same time I'm like I also want the deal. Like yeah. myself, you know? <laughs> True, yeah. And so how we kind of structured that, structured that is we, like, do intend to, like, buy a lot of these properties. And what we structure it is, like, these buyers that do walk it, we just say they're our, our financial partners because they are our financial partners. They're the one that end up buying the property. Right. They, they do wholesale. So that's kind of, like, how we kind of navigate it um, as well. We just say, hey, uh, our financial partners and or contractors are coming by. Because before we would just say contractors, and then you see these – these buyers coming up with suits and they're like, no, that's not, that's not a contract. Yeah, yeah. All day long. It's <laughs> okay, like right. property brothers. They show up in like a fucking three piece. You're like, dude, they're like ripping, ripping down walls and attacks. Exactly. I'm like, come on. Exactly. Like, yeah. Never touch those properties. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And how do you, how do you navigate that? Um, because, well, I, I guess if you're transparent with them up ahead of time and like, listen, I'm bringing financial partners in and things like that, that's how you pose the walkthroughs and things like that. Yeah, exactly. You just set expectations up front um, where, because we get these properties under contract and we haven't even seen the property yet. Right. And then you, and you could just like tell them straight up like, hey, would you buy a property you haven't even seen? Like, and I'll put them in your shoes uh, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, we just basically bring, yeah, say financial partners in and contractors during our inspection period. And that really just helps with gauge of, um, did we get it for the right price? And was the seller honest, I guess, on what they, on what they said? Well, that's what a was big needed. one. Yeah. 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 It's like, oh, is there a crack in the foundation? No. You show up and the foundation's caving in. They're like, well, there wasn't a crack. And yeah. say it wasn't caving in. It just wasn't a crack. It's like, can but I mention that one? It's a strategy though. I know a lot of people are doing that where I, I see a ton of people doing, they, they lock up the deal. They go exactly with what the seller is saying. And then when they do see the property, there is a crack in the foundation. They're like, hey, Mr. Seller, hey, this price at 150 is not going to work. I'm going to have to come down like 10K because there's this and you didn't tell me about it. So um, it's a, it, there's like reduction calls. There's a whole whole strategy on that end to squeeze basically the seller. Um, and on the other end, you basically try to get the most from the buyer to make, make the biggest spread. So it's very interesting uh, 
on game. It's creative. That's like the fun part. I feel like that, like that's the shiny object in real estate because it's so creative. It's so like, like the world is yours. Like every part of it, you can make of what you want. Like you can get the property, like you can do all these, these certain things and these strategies to get the property for the best price. And then on the other side, you do all these specific strategies to, to maximize the profit. And it's like every single time one of those strategies work, you just built another increased revenue stream. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and it cool that you mentioned the different buyers too. Cause there's like, like just buy hold buyers. There's, three or four because you've mentioned that the tax write-off ones is that they want to take the depreciation mm-hmm. there's the appreciation ones so people buy like if you bought a multi in salem three years ago versus now like that's an appreciation buyer and then the cash flow buyer yep and um and some people just like the equity pay down well that's what i've noticed too it's like i'm not paying down my equity yeah and so some some people just love that yeah no that's awesome yeah no there's it's pretty cool, like all the benefits that that come with buying real estate, and yeah, just really finding that buyers is is definitely uh, difficult. But our, I guess our main market is are people that are looking to to flip. You know, they buy it and then they end up flipping it. Um, but the whole short term rental, mid term rental, it's a whole thing in itself. Though. Well, now you're in Florida, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a whole. Honestly, a lot. There's just a lot going on. That's what I mean. It's like you don't want to spread yourself too thin, but at the same time, it's like, does this make money? Do I want to turn it down? And what helps too is knowing what the seller has used it before. Cause like, um, and also if you look and look at what comps are doing before too, if it's like a two bed, um, on a one bath and you see all the comps, they're all renting out as like a midterm rental and it's near a hospital and yours is, you're about to potentially purchase is near a hospital and it's two bed, one bath. Um, and it's being used as like a long term. then, okay, maybe there is a value where you can make a midterm rental and, and, really like right. offer that to, to the buyer. So really knowing the market and seeing what other people are doing is huge. And basically like the big quote I got is when I can't find a buyer for something is your comps are your buyers. Like that's, that's really what it comes down to, Yeah. you know? Um, so like if I really am struggling, I just reach out to every comp of the property and see who bought it and be like, yo, I have the exact same property for you right here. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's make Screaming it happen. Yeah. Name. Yeah. Yeah, and and so obviously that's the built-in inspection period. So if you don't find the buyer, you either do you do you first go for renegotiation, or um, it's really dependent if there is even a renegotiation that can that can happen. Um, but yeah, we haven't really done too many renegotiations. We like hate renegotiation, even though it's a whole aspect of it. Um, we're like big on like, hey, what we say we could do, like let's do it. Uh, but basically, yeah, we just if we can't find a buyer, we haven't. I don't know. I think maybe like one or two. We haven't had too many situations where we've locked it up and haven't been able to sell it. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so yeah. your fallout rate's not huge. But sometimes we're hurting ourselves though. Like maybe we should have a higher fallout rate because maybe we're not locking up enough deals. You know, there's that end. Well, yeah, there's that. Yeah, I feel like there's all these different thoughts. But the one thing that I've always felt content in, and like I've said this a million times, but my, my first flip, I took like... Actually, this killed me the other day. I, my, I don't know if you, you know, uh, Case Foster with Realty One Group, mm. um, but but he um, he just had a listing of a Condex in Derry, and I actually almost bought it. I remember looking at it and I'm like, oh, there's no money to be made. That's what I said. But they pushed their ARV, dude. They got three ninety seven. Wow. And it was the same size, or maybe 
200 square feet bigger than my original condex. Same bedroom count and everything. I sold mine fixed up for 330. <laughs> he so and it wasn't even at the time. I mean, he he just put it under agreement. I sold mine back in May. I put it under contract in April, but part of it was because I bought the duplex and I had a tenant in there already. And so I wanted to give like them the first right of refusal on their unit. And then her mother-in-law ended up coming in and wanting the other, the flipped unit. Okay. So I'm like, dude, I get to put a whole family together. Like the entire family goes in here and I'm still making money. I'm like, Ugh. and so I ended up taking, like now I look at it. And at the time I thought I only took like a 30, 25, $30,000 overall, like not loss, but just non-potential gain. Yeah. That maybe I could have maximized if I flipped both and stayed in it for another five months and then listed both units. But I decided to go the easy route. and But I honestly don't regret it because in this business, like we're here to solve problems for people at the end of the day as, as acquisition people. 100%. And then you're also here to, to solve problems for uh, buyers. Exactly. You yeah. know what I mean? It's a big solving problems for, so, for everybody yeah so it's like when you get to put your your head on the pillow every night like with a smile it's like okay maybe it was worth it exactly yeah and i feel like the opportunity cost too huh oh my car oh sorry i'm trying to interrupt this i'll find a break point oh that's fine all good i'm just gonna move this car it's stick do you know how to drive stick uh, i learned on a stick nice Thank you. What do you have? I got the Honda Accord. Dude. And it's stick, eh? Yeah, 2003. Old car. Old reliable. Not not looking to get a new one? Um, Eventually. Uh, a to B right now. I'm doing everything virtual. So oh, I don't yeah, really, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, I haven't honestly, like, I drive to, like, meetups and stuff like that, but I haven't gone to a seller's house because the model that we're implementing is... Um, we just have people in certain areas and like basically our boots on the ground and they, and they, um, they look at the properties for us. Yeah. So I haven't really had to go out to a lot of these properties. I love that model. That that's really the, that's the yeah. dream model. I mean, with the flipping though, it's a little different because I also enjoy like designing the whole thing. Mm. So it's like, you kind of want to be boots on the ground to be able to design design the flips. Yep. Um, I, I, I think I go all out a little bit more than you probably should on flips. Yeah, no, like, that's good. Well, I feel like that's sick. The, I don't know. I, I feel like if I had to flip to do like the whole, I just like really like the whole luxury side. Honestly. Well, so that's what I try and make the properties regardless of like what price point. I try and make, make them like as luxurious looking and like quality as possible. Mm. And honestly, dude, like the, um, you know, I, I do like the, the, all the shiplap type stuff and like bathroom walls, the whole backside would be shiplap. And you know, that like, I really go for, for like a magazine type look. I don't do the white vanity on white on white on white yep. and the cheapest bullshit. And that's also probably where I don't maximize my profit. But at the end of the day, part of it's like paying for a gallery. I want that gallery on my website and mm. I want people to go, click on my website and go, this it this was a twelve hundred square foot condex. Yeah, yeah. Like I would have bought this thing for six hundred grand. That's the goal. You know what I mean? Like those kinds of finishes where you're like, I don't. This is like like Hermosi says it best. It's like 
offer someone something so so insane that they'd be stupid to say no to it. Yeah, yeah. And so it's the same idea. It's like, yeah, I'm listing this for 375. Oh, that's high. They walk in, I'd be stupid not to buy this though. Yeah, no, that's, that's the goal. good. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that whole that's a whole different part. I wish I like I didn't learn the whole whole contract inside. So that's super cool. Well, maybe one one time we'll go on a deal together and then we'll do a little bit of yeah, like a. I honestly want to get into. I like, I like a bigger flip, mm. like uh, like the one I got right now is a four bedroom, two and a half bath. Okay. So it's a it's a decent size house, and like we're ripping out eighteen feet of bearing wall. So, you know, there's a lot going on and that stuff I enjoy. It's, it's obviously more expensive, but when you get to turn like a big space into something completely different, that's where it's interesting. Yeah. It's like, do you have a specialty of what you're going for? Um, when it comes to like doing flips, like your ideal flip, like, is it, is it that like just the bigger space or like, what does that kind of look like more cosmetic or the bigger stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, there's no, I wouldn't say there's any specialty. I will say the one thing is that I am I am completely okay with not maximizing every single dime. Mm. I'm okay with that because I think that I think that the quality of your rapport and the quality of the brand that you build, you have to pay for that in a way. And I think I pay for that not nickel and diming every single project and every single person. Gotcha. And so that way it's I also my color scheme is like navy blue, um light gray and white. Nice. And so I do something like in, in each flip, I do like a room my, branded sort of my colors. Okay. So like the bathroom, um, <laughs> the bathroom at the last one, I did a navy blue vanity, light gray floor, light gray wall, walls all around, and then shiplap in the back. Mm. And like you walk in and it just screams TJB Holmes. And so this one, I think I'm going to do the kitchen. Okay, nice. Dude, that's awesome. And i kind of curious, why wouldn't you... Uh kind of hold these if they kind of like have your your mark uh because they're not great rentals okay so they they wouldn't make great rentals um i mean i would i want to the other problem is like flipping's heavily capital intensive yep and i'm like i we completely fund the flips cash so you know sitting on well i mean i i don't sit on enough cash all the time to buy the property so like i use private money but in terms of all the construction mm. it's all cash okay. so you got to sit on a lot of cash and so i'm actually looking at a five family right now in, in mass and that's going to be an extensive reno the numbers could be there but i'm making it very clear like the numbers have to work where i can completely cash myself out yep maybe have 25 grand locked up but i don't want any more locked up in there because I need that to build my other business. And so basically you would plan to, to refinance out and get all your money back? Is that kind of the yeah, idea? That'd be, that'd be ideal. Um, at least as, as much as I could. I, I don't really want more than 25 grand sitting in there. Yeah, no, that's you know? fair. At least at this point. I'm okay with it down the road. But then it's tough though because then you're going to be super high leveraged and then you're high leveraged at a, whatever it is. Is it 7.3% whatever? So that's, oh, that's something that's to consider a, as well. That's on a residential note. Yeah, exactly. Commercial is so, yeah. going to be nine. Yeah. On a twenty-five year. That's yeah. So I know it's ridiculous. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. But at at the end of the day too, it's it's like all right. Well, if I if I could keep a hundred grand in there mm-hmm. and make another twelve hundred bucks a month in cash flow, that's fourteen and a half thousand a year. Or that hundred grand could make me 
40 and a half thousand a year. You know what I mean? True. Opportunity like, so, costs. Yeah. So it's, it's the opportunity costs of it. So if I'm confident enough that the money that, that I'm taking out of this property and sacrificing my cash flow for is going to make me more than what it would in the property itself. I'm all about doing that. So yeah. hopefully next year, like my goal is to do three to five flips. So in that case, it's like, there's no way I could do that putting hundred grand into, into a property as equity. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That's awesome. That's, that's super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for it. Need the deal flow. So if you guys come across that, yeah, we're trying, we're trying. I know, I know, I know you guys aren't doing much in New Hampshire. New, there's not a lot of money to be made in New Hampshire. That's the reality as, as whole, I feel like. I think it's just super competitive. It's, yeah. it's super competitive. And a lot of people are just holding it right now. Um, I don't know. It, like it's just, yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah. And, um, the other thing I, I wanted to ask you too, because I asked Jake this and we talked about it earlier, like he really wasn't, his plan was never to get into real estate. Mm-hmm. Was yours always to be into, into real estate some, somehow, some way? Uh, I guess not initially, but how, how I got in was, so parents didn't do anything real estate related. Um, but I read the book, classic book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, when yeah. I was like 16, I was just like, uh, and I love the game Monopoly. Classic. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, why not just do that in real in real life? Um, so I, actually, before I even like met Axel, I was trying to do everything on my own. I was like, really in high school, sophomore year, I was trying to buy a house. And so what I tried to do was, um, I created a company when I was sixteen, and my idea was use the company to um, buy the property because you have to be because the company has no age and you have to be right. eighteen. So I was trying to like get around yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But they're just like. Hey, we're looking at who's the company, who owns the company, and you can't get around that. I'm like, ah, oh, dang it. Yeah. Um, Even if you have cash, it's like, well, you got to be 18 to open the company. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, learned learned a lot during that process for like that two years. But yeah, that basically how I got into it though was rich dad poor dad, and then I just like learned a ton by trying to do everything myself. And I was like, oh, okay, it's not really working. Let's uh, let's squat up and make some things happen. And then yeah. So good. when you buy your first property, I think I was at 21. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, that was good. That's awesome. Yeah, there's um I, I've been I've been going to these events too and like one of the things I always tell people because I'll people will hit me up and be like, Hey, you know, I want to get into real estate, I want to do this, I want to do that. I'm like, that's great. You know, where should I start? I'm like, literally go to an investor meetup, go to an event. Mm-hmm. Like that's where I started. You I mean that's not where I started in real estate, but I started that's where I started really like branching off and, and getting the confidence of my own. Yep. Cause I'm, you meet people there. Like we met at that meeting. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And, yeah. and I met Jake there and I met, um, I'm trying to think I met a bunch of other people there. Um, and like a bunch of the realtors I know. Mm. And then you, you realize like there's 950 people at your school who are doing nothing. The reason why they're not at your school is because they're somehow or, or at these parties, they're all flocking to this one spot. And I always tell people, go to the spot that all the all the successful people around you flock to. Mm-hmm. And you're going to find people who are 21 years old buying properties. Yeah. 22 no. <laughs> years old. You know, 20, 26 years old making 750 grand a year. It's like, what the? Yeah. Where, where was this guy hiding this whole time? The reality is he was hiding, doing that work. That's why you didn't see him. Mm-hmm. And so... I always tell people that it's like you will find those people, but you're not going to find them where you're at. Yeah. No, you had, yeah. And yeah, definitely just focusing and like putting yourself, like surrounding yourself 
around those people is like is massive. And I, I realized too, it's like so relationship based, this whole real estate business. It's like, I feel like any business, but it's just really just, at least what I'm doing. I'm just, I'm just a connector. I'm just connecting the buyer and seller, you know? Yeah. And then like for the whole seller side, trying to buy our own properties, it's just building relationships with sellers and building that like, so they like and trust you. Um, basically build a friend where uh, they sell the property uh, to me rather than um, somebody else. So it's just, yeah, no, it's so true. That was just like very relationship based. And then basically the, to start that is going to these meetups is, is a huge, huge benefit and really yeah. a good stepping stone. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I kind of wish I had that opportunity to learn from those guys that you did. Because like I, le- I worked for a builder since I was 16. Mm. Um, and I actually just... I just parted ways with them last month. So I've been with them for four years. Oh, okay. Um, and so I learned like a lot in, in the residential construction area. Um, so like my, my, my goal one day too, is I want to get into like developments, um, but commercial development, I'm the residential is cool. Mm-hmm. Like you get to build houses, but it's like when you get to build large complexes, large buildings, like I drove up to, um, I drove up to Manchester for my closing today, and I just see the Brady Sullivan Tower. I'm like, yeah, they're massive. Dude, how cool they're would so... it be to have my like Tyler Brissenden Tower? Yeah, and he he's he's a lot of. I mean, obviously he's a lot of buy hold, but he's a lot of commercial development too. Yeah, I was trying to like buy one of his properties, and he's like, no, I'm not selling. I'm just a buyer. Um, <laughs> and I was like, okay, but yeah, he only buys like minimum like fifty or hundred plus. Um, oh, at this point. Dude. Yeah, he just like, and it has to be massive for him to, to be worth it. Yeah, no, at this point, it's like, I mean, you got a tower named after you. You can't be yeah. buying triple deckers anymore. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and what I guess what I really focused on too, like right now, where I'm at is the, um, the the coaches and stuff that I currently have is like really dependent on what I'm doing. So right now I have like a whole like dispo coach because that's like dispositions. That's my main focus on basically selling these deals. Uh, but it was interesting, like Axel, that was like all off market deals. That's what I was learning from him. And then Shane was like underwriting. Um, and then just, I don't know, the coach really dependent on uh, what's their expertise and then where, like where you're at in your, your journey. So uh, it's pretty interesting uh, like for that. Yeah. Just finding, finding the coaching, putting yourself in like the education spots. And, and like I said, you like, I've always said, I mean, education is the most expensive thing on the planet. Mm. So if you can get paid to learn. Like that, 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 that's what I, I always, that's what I did too. And I, um, I told my mom, like the second, cause she wanted me to go to college. She didn't, she didn't go to college. So she wanted me to, to go. Cause she, you know, kind of under the impression that that's the only way you make it in the world. And I was like, listen, I'll go until I buy my first property. Once I buy my first property, I'm done. Dude, <laughs> I think I got like one and a half semesters in and then I got the duplex and I'm like, Hey. I'm done. This is it. And, but it, it, you know, it was like looking at how much money you spend even on online college. Mm. I'm like, if we had taken that money and you just given it to me and lent it to me, like that would have been my entire down payment on the first deal. hundred percent. Yeah. And closing costs and everything else. If you had just lent it to me at a typical 2021 or 2022 rate, Dude, that would have been my whole down payment. That would have been perfect. Yeah, I guess Hermosi, I heard this, that one of his buddies, he got a bunch of student loans. And I guess they, the student loans, they gave him the loans without actually seeing if he was taking classes. And so he got like over like $200,000 worth of loans, interest-free because it's four years. He gets started paying when, the, when he's done with school. 
use that two hundred thousand dollars, bought a ton of property, and then used all that money and um, yeah, basically just bought a p- bunch of property. Then after four years, he had, that two hundred thousand dollars was due, but he made a ton of money and just paid it off. And it was just like, wow, if I if I knew that they could get interest free right. money throughout that whole well, that's process. the thing. It's like, isn't it amazing that that you can get student loans? Like you want to talk about what what a guaranteed return is. A real asset is ne- next to the most guaranteed return you can ever get. Hmm. You're guaranteeing your return on a bunch of morons who didn't do anything in high school now going to college and hoping that they pay you back 200 grand. Really? I'm not saying everyone's a moron, but what I'm saying is like half the kids who go to college don't actually even commit to a major until junior year. Hmm. It's like, what? You just spent a hundred grand. And uh, spending it on nothing that you're going the, to do. Yeah, I think the system is definitely, uh, is definitely very, very old school. Like it, it should be, yeah. it could be so much better in America. 100%. Yeah. I think I just, I, I love the idea of like, there's so many opportunities and like, that's again, I'll reiterate like why I want to have guys on like you who, if there's like a 16, 17 year old, like debating on what exactly they wanted to do. It's like, yeah, I mean, you did go to college. Yeah. So it's not that it's not a good experience and you met your business partner in college. So like, and I always go back to like, it's great for connections, but in terms of like what you learned there, do you think it was like that much more important to your career versus if you didn't have that education? Yeah, no, I'm not really using a lot of the stuff I learned yeah. uh, there in regards to my major and stuff like that, but it was cool. Like, I guess I did learn like, um, like public speaking skills, little skills like that and right. stuff. But yeah, I'd say the biggest thing was like the relationships on that, but yeah, in regards to the actual major and minor, yeah, not much, not not much right. there at all. Right. Well, um, closing off here, one of the things I wanna I like to ask everyone is what their one, three, five, and ten year goals are, and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be like business specific, or it can be business specific, it can be whatever you want. Yeah. So one year goal is to automate the whole wholesaling side, where um, I'm still in it, but it's like two hours a week. Basically, I just create the whole system where I have people in place. And then for the five-year goal uh, would be to own a bunch of properties. I would have a lot of bunch of properties. So basically, I guess on the business side, um, basically really just buy back my time, like five years. I'm trying to do this really soon. My goal is just to like do this as soon as possible because um, I see people doing it like really, right. really soon. And then um, and my, my main goal, though, is just travel. My whole goal is just really just travel the world, just um, yeah, just travel a ton and do what I'm doing. Cause like, I really enjoy doing it. Um, basically when I wake up, I'm just like, oh, I'm not going to work. It's honestly like play for me. It's like a lot of fun. It's kind of right. a, it's a good game. I just see it as a game. But yeah, I would say to answer that would be like five, 10 years would be just to automate this business, have the choice to work in it. Um, and more of just really focus working on it and helping other people build up their business and, uh, travel the world, uh, while I do it interesting yeah that's that i mean that's the goal dude being able to travel and that's the whole like virtual part of it because some people just like love love like not that you don't love what you do but like love it so much that they're they actually want to be in it every single day yeah and it's like it's not that you don't want to but it's like fighting for that lifestyle has a completely different path Mm. in how you go about building your business like some people build it dependent on themselves because they love it it, it like like that's that's their travel like that's what they feel uh, and like you guys or at least you specifically like travels what what interests you the most so you're building your business in an automation way 
Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I was, so I was a real, I'm still, I'm licensed in New Hampshire and I was doing the whole realtor route. I, I guess I meant to say that earlier. Um, but the whole realtor route, it wasn't for me in the sense that you had to be there. Like, it's really hard to like, you can build up agents. You can be a broker and really scale it out. But, um, at my age, it's very, or our age, it's very hard to, uh, to do that, I guess, in a way. So I saw the wholesaling side, it's a lot more opportunity, uh, to do that. So that's, that's the reason why I kind of went right. that route. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool model and you don't seem like a car guy, I guess. You're car. Like a car guy? <laughs> no, I am. I am a car guy. Oh, you are a car guy. Like, I, no, I wouldn't say I'm a huge car guy. I but... mean, I would have thought by by now you definitely would have gotten something like. Nah, I mean, so, if you well, love the, the thing but... is though, I I travel a ton. I was just in, like Bali for a month. Like, I just I just go a bunch of places, so I don't really use a car because I'm. Oh, so just... you're already traveling? Yeah, I was like in Ecuador. Um, yeah, oh, no like shit. Bali for a month, Italy with Jake. That was a great time. And I'm thinking like the next three four months, I'm going to go to um south america again like hit brazil and um argentina do that because cool because i could be doing the exact same thing i'm doing here um but i realized the time zone though the time zone was crazy yeah. in bali 12 hour difference i was starting work at uh it's 12 hour difference so it's 12 hours ahead it's like 9 p.m i was starting work and i would end at like 4 a.m so it's crazy and then you probably sleep till like nine or whatever and then i'd sleep until like noon and then noon to like 7 p.m. I'd have the whole day, which is pretty cool. I'd yeah. explore everything. And then at night, I'd eat dinner and then, huh, start of the work day. <laughs> it's pretty cheap over there, though. So, like, you can just, like, True. Yeah. you can chill there for, like, two months and be fine. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it was just a lot. It was just a whole – that that adjustment was tough for me. And you just go by yourself? No, I went with my brother and his three friends. Um, another wholesaler was actually out there with me. Oh, uh, really? sick, yeah. Um, he did some wholesaling. So, it's cool. Like, we're the real estate guys and my brother does – crypto so he does uh oh so he can he can be remote too yeah we're all working out there so it's cool that we're all like on the same same level that's sick dude so you you got the you got like a crew with you kind of going around. yeah exactly yeah um but yeah then i don't know if i'm gonna go with them for the next trip but the goal is just uh i don't know it's just cool to explore the world and if i could try to make i could be making money at the same time i'm just like dude that's full send that's crazy that makes sense. You you told me like when we were trying to schedule this, you're like, I'll be out of town for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. I, out of town's very out of town's like Vermont. <laughs> That's, yeah. Get out of the country, out of the continent. Yeah. No, I think I, yeah. And I just came back from California. I was in San Diego. Yeah. I just been traveling a ton. That's great. But right now though, I'm, a, I'm in the season of like being home for a little bit, um, all the holidays and stuff. And I really just like, I don't know, I feel a lot less distractions though when I'm here. Yeah. Um, so really trying to focus on the business and then kind of just do this cycle. I love it. The game plan. So I got one more question for you and I forgot to ask. So usually what I do is I ask the last guest to leave a question for the next guest, but Mm. I forgot to ask Jake. So I'm going to ask you the question and then you'll ask a question for the next one. So, okay. So, and I, I, and I don't know who this person is. Okay. Just a random question. Okay. Yeah. So the question I have for you is if you were to jump five years in the future what's something that you do now that you're so confident is a productive skill that you would tell yourself never let go of Wait, so if i jump five years in the future can you, can you say that one more time yeah. i just want to confirm so my, I get that. if you jump five years in the future okay so you're how, how old now i'm 23 23 so you're 28 yep what would you tell yourself at 28 something to, to that you do now right? That's productive for you now that you're so confident 
is the correct way to go about it that you would want to stay that route you'd want to you want to keep that skill because every like when you're young you're always trying to regiment skills you're always changing things up Mm. and sometimes you don't know what works and what doesn't and you might be trying to fix something that's not broke yeah what's one thing that you think you do very well that you're confident you'll continue to do yeah throughout um well right now i feel like sales and marketing is like my biggest thing um but i don't want to say anything like cliche i want to say something unique but um but yeah i think that that really would come down to it like our biggest skill is basically just talking to people building relationships um and i think there's just a lot to say i don't want to say one but i just say yeah just like really just like building relationships and um being able to connect with people i think that's just yeah. like a huge thing because that's literally um i think my business in a nutshell yeah yeah i mean that's like you said it's the, it's the whole relationships side of it but i think w- one of the things too is is specifically at least maybe you know you can correct me if i'm wrong but i at least think like something that you probably do is is sort of having this vision this this balanced vision between like staying in the business enough to a point where it continues to grow and you continue to have a presence in it Mm -hmm. so like not not the complete want to walk away from the business in full but automated enough to in essence, allow yourself to start the next project. Because that's what entrepreneurs are all about. Yeah, like, true. We're trying to automate everything, not because you don't love wholesaling, but because you love real estate so much that you want to get to that next shiny object that you were saying. 100%. And so, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if that's exactly how you think, but like, I feel like that's something that you probably could carry with you, like 28 years old, still wanting to automate every business so you can go conquer the next shiny object in real estate that yeah that'd be that that's awesome yeah i 100 percent agree with that yeah um the goal would be yeah to just do a ton of businesses i think just creating a lot of businesses just cool just constant it's basically uh what hermosi said it's like an infinite game there's like no yeah. end to it but just playing the game just and knowing that there's really no end and just kind of just basically just constantly playing and and uh yeah just continually doing that yeah but yeah, no, that's uh, that's a better answer then. <laughs> well, I just, I, I don't know. I just like kind of picked up on it. And I'm like, that's, that just screams entrepreneur. Mm. There's like, and there's entrepreneurs and then there's the operators. And like, you guys are both great operators, but like you have that, you have that like clear side of entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, like creativeness where there's almost like no satisfaction in your voice. Like, you know, to a point it's like, Oh, but this is really cool. Like we thought about midterm, we thought about short term because some people get on here and they're just like, this is exactly what I do. And this is exactly what I'm going to do. Mm. Like, this is all I want to do. I'm very good at it and I love it and I enjoy it. And they're entrepreneurs, but they're just not as like excited about the, all, all the different avenues. And like what Hermosi said, like the infinite game, they're okay yeah. with having that like cap on the game because that's all they're really interested in. Yeah, no, I definitely like the next thing, but I feel like a lot of people run into the issue where they go to the next thing too soon. Like for, it's very easy for like, I don't know, right now it's obviously a lot, it's very fun what I'm doing. Um, but I don't know, it would feel like, a, a, I guess a lot more bigger dopamine rush if I just did something new, you know, cause right. like, um, news always, but, uh, I guess basically what he says, he's like, do more rather than new. That's what kind of Hermosi says. So yeah. I'm just doing like a lot more, really getting, really focusing it, getting it, getting it going. And then, um. Then maybe another new uh, once I automate this. Yeah, love to hear what that one is. So, what's your question? Yeah, so question for the next guest. Um, 
Wait, so was that a question for from Jake or did you just make that question? I up? just made that up. I was just trying to think of one. So like that's why it barely made any sense. I'm like, what's a question I can think of? Okay. And you can take your time. No, I got I got one. So if, if they were to be anybody in the in the world, influencer or anything anyone, um, who would they be and why? Oh, I like that one. Yeah. I haven't gotten that one yet. Nice. That's a really good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, change it up. No, that's interesting. Who would you be? Oh, I can ask you that. Yeah, uh, now I have to ask you that because <laughs> I didn't think of the answer on that. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, and it could be any time. See, you could do a lot of things, but I'll just say any time period. Oh, that's so tough. Wait, I'm gonna ask you first. You're going first. I came up with the question. Oh, so. yeah, 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 yeah. No, you came up with it. okay. Um, who would I be? That's a good question. Um, dude, honestly, this is gonna sound dumb, but you know Cornelius Vanderbilt. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was the the railroad guy. Yeah. Dude, the one thing that he did, the most badass move, is like when he was trying to monopolize the entire railroads, railroad system. Mm. He essentially took like, there was a huge shipment going over and there were a bunch of passengers and everything. And he owned the bridge that that crossed, I think it crossed the Mississippi. Mm. I think that, or, or something, like somehow got into New York. So maybe it wasn't the Mississippi, it was something else. But he like literally just stopped that train in its tracks on the bridge and goes, you're going to sell me your entire railroad company or you're not moving and you'll never get anywhere with your shipments. And dude, yeah, he, that he is... went from like owning like, like, you know, just, just a, a great portion of the railroad system, but not being the only one to literally being like a 90% owner of the entire Northern Continental Railroad. And yeah, I just think unreal. that's such a badass move. And so to be like that kind of like, go screw mm. mentality it just like it's like <laughs> yeah. dickhead but but like you also can't get mad at the guy yeah no that's yeah he well he just revolutionized like like the, the whole revolutionary oh yeah yeah so that's awesome um i like that a lot i think for me i don't know I, there's so many people come to mind but um i say like gandhi maybe i don't know maybe okay. just like a big like big peace guy you know i don't know just yeah, like yeah. um he literally just built his this whole empire on just being like good vibes. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy, so, right? So I don't know. Big good vibe guy. He's like so. the highest monetized pothead on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> like just just like everyone knows this this huge pothead. Yeah. Oh, I guess Bob Marley would be sick too, uh, to be Oh yeah. Well. yeah I wish right. I said Bob Marley. That actually Marley. is such a better Yeah, you uh, can switch it up. Yeah. yeah. Bob Marley. Uh, just, yeah, good vibes, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes with the travel, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome, man. Hey, I appreciate you coming on. If there's anything you want to plug, I know Deal Invest, any socials? Um, yeah, my Instagram is Isaiah Barba underscore real estate. Yep. And um, yeah, I got Deals Invest website. We got QA Home Buyers website and then Maple Birch Properties website. Um, but yeah, looking to provide value. Anyone that's interested in the, the whole real estate game, love, love talking real estate. So yeah. Yeah, so, yeah and I appreciate you having me on, bro. Absolutely, awesome. dude. Absolutely. And anyone... Your um the deal invest to reiterate it like if you're a buyer, hit them. Oh up. yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, if you're wholesaling and you haven't struggling, uh, you're struggling selling your deal. I am. I'm happy to help. I'm gonna be one of them. <laughs> so hopefully we'll do a deal soon. Of course, awesome, yeah, man. Awesome. I appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, cheers.